This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out along with Paul Stone each and every week here on the Sports Betters Paradise talking about our handicapping approaches to college basketball. And before we do that, uh, Paul, and get to the particular process that you have, you know, Nick Saban, it's all about the process now. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first of all, I like to jog back to some, some things that we previously talked about and the big win, the emotional win, when you invest, when you use up a, a, a chunk of that emotion, there's that much less in the tank moving forward. The court rush fade, if you will, you know, and they, we'll have to see if maybe that one in Winston-Salem might have been the last one. It was one it ended up being a Mississippi, though, as they got off the snide and won their first game of the year. But, I mean, this week with Notre Dame beating Wake Forest outright after their uh, their court um, – their court rush, it's Paul. It has been really extreme, an extreme angle. It's been very profitable fading these teams coming off of these emotional wins. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, over the course of a 30, 35, even I guess a forty game schedule for some teams, there's no way you're going to ha- have the the same amount of emotional gas game in and game out. And it only stands to reason that the further you get along in the schedule, I think the first day of college basketball was way back on November 6th. So you think they've been, the season started November 6th. They started practicing full-time a month before that. So they've been grinding for a long time. So I think the further you get along in the process, the process being the schedule, uh, I think it lends itself to these types of uh, ebbs and flows and highs and lows. You know, you can't bring – the same amount of intensity every game. You either bring a little bit more, a little bit less. And uh, off those big wins, it seems that teams don't quite uh, show up in the same manner the next time out. Yeah, we saw over the weekend also on, on Sunday where Creighton, and talking to my friends in Omaha, the, the best atmosphere they've ever had at a game in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, they lose handily. Gate to wire, never in it, uh, against uh, St. John's as they lost by a double digits. Um St. John's playing themselves onto the bubble. Well, next week we'll certainly talk a lot about a bubble teams. But, you know, you and I who've been handicapping college football and basketball for so long and anybody you talk to, because I've never talked to a coach, former coach, player, f- uh, former player that said, no, you can't have your A-plus intensity, focus, emotion level every week. It can, it, it's impossible. But what sport, Paul, do you think it's about the same? Or do you think because it's a longer schedule – this emotional angles, these highs and lows, um, is it college basketball or is it stronger in college football? You know, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, uh, Jimmy, but I think maybe college basketball, and I think the season's longer. I think the impact, uh, you know, a lot of these victories and these surprises are happening on uh, the underdog's home floor yes, and the yes. energy that you create from that uh, – that home crowd, I think, is part of it, too, that uh, 
you know, the, these teams are coming in here with a target on their back and now they're coming into a hostile environment and uh, everybody's charged up. And I think it's harder to play on the on the road in college basketball um, for the most part than it is in college football, all things being equal. So I think it I think it presents itself more in college basketball. Yeah, and, I, and I, you're, you're answering my question for me as well. And that's why, too, because it's the home crowd impacts the, the game more in basketball than it does in football. Just one of them. They're closer. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, I mean, you, you, the fuel for the home team and the intimidation uh, or the distraction uh, for the visiting team and their college age players, even though they're much older these days uh, in college basketball, they're still college. Basketball. So let's get to your, your, your process. And one of the things that you do that's um, sort of, unique to 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 your process you know your handicapping of college basketball look some of some of us are old enough to remember waiting for that newspaper to hit the pavement in the morning go on the sports special give me the latest line all right let's check out the lines all right well some of us now will get up in the morning whether we go to our sports book and get a sheet or we in bed and we let me see what the lines are or, or get our cup of coffee and see what it is some people the evening before and these lines are out you start ahead of all of that. Tell us when your process starts to you handicapping college basketball. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, first of all, Jimmy, that uh, I think it's clear when there's more than 360 teams in a sport, even if you're not studying or handicapping them all, you know, it's critical, it's paramount to have a high level of organization. I mean, when you're doing something that large, the more organized you are, the better. And I think much of that organization centers around staying ahead of the game you know, looking ahead in some manner or fashion. By my count, uh, this Saturday, March 2nd, we're recording on uh, Leap Day, Thursday, uh, February 29th. So this Saturday, March uh, 2nd, there are 138 bettable college basketball games. That includes the added games. That's a whole lot of games. You know, in my mind, it's impractical to think that a person could start on Friday afternoon or, or Lord forbid, wake up early Saturday morning and adequately handicap even a small percentage of that many games. Uh, in my opinion, you know, you need several days, uh, even up to six days, seven days to properly prepare, you know, for such an extensive schedule of games. So I'm going to go over my process. If you, it's not going to take but a couple of minutes, uh -huh. but if you want to jump in any, at any point, please do. Mm -hmm. But how I try to, you know, kind of my process of how I try to stay ahead, a step ahead of the, the college basketball schedule handicapping curve, if you will. Uh, as with most things, you know, there are obviously many ways to approach this exercise. This is just one person's approach. Uh, you may choose to, a person may choose to utilize uh, all the elements of my process, bits and pieces of it, uh, or none of it. But at the very least, you know, I'm going to try to provide some food for thought and, and ideas for how to make something, a large schedule of games that might appear monstrous, uh, seem to be more manageable. So first of all, each Sunday, I'm going to start out, I'm an old-time guy, so I'm going to print out hard copies of the schedule of games for the following seven days. So on Sunday, I'm going to print out Monday through Sunday's games. Uh, I'm not going to go over every fine detail of how I do it. That would be time prohibitive. But uh, what I'll do, first of all, is I'm going to look at each day chronologically, start out by looking at Monday, and I do this on Sunday, Look at Monday's games, Tuesday's games, Wednesday's games. Maybe spend 15 minutes just kind of glancing at the uh -huh. schedule. And I'm going to use a highlighter. I'm going to emphasize sides that I might consider betting. 
Um, you know, I might additionally use a pencil next to those games that I might be considering uh, just to dot, jot down uh, brief pieces of information uh, supporting my reasoning. Those notes could include uh, injury information, scheduling dynamics, and even details from an earlier meeting between the schools. Uh, on these highlighted games, I'm going to make my. I'm going to go ahead and make my early. Even though they're going to probably play in some cases one game before this next game, I'm going to go ahead and make my projected point spread in my mind. Jot it down for that game. Then I'm going to reference Ken Palm for his margin of victory to see what his line is. And then I also use power ratings generated by Sonny Moore. Look at his power ratings and see what his number would be. And from my line and from those two sources, I'm going to establish what I anticipate uh, the opening line is going to be in that, uh, in that game. Uh, I'm also going to jot down on games, especially ones that I really like and I really anticipate that I might bet, I'm going to jot down my play price on certain teams. I might project the line to be minus four, but I might say, hey, I'm going to play it up to minus four and a half. Uh, I might put, you know, like Seattle University minus four and a half or less and uh, might add the word firm meaning I don't have any flexibility. If it's five or more, I'm going to have the discipline. I'm not going to play it. So I kind of set some parameters for myself instead of trying to go through it all the day before uh, or the, uh, the day of the game. Uh, just a little bit more left here. Uh, you know, I'll say, you know, that when you're doing, you know, this kind of front-end legwork two or three days ahead, maybe even up to seven days like I do uh, in advance, you obviously have to be flexible. You know, game results and injuries are just two of the elements uh, that could certainly alter your perspective on a certain game. Uh, so you have to keep those things in mind. Things can change. Things are fluid. Don't just, you know, put your heels in the ground and say, I'm playing this game, come heck or high water. Paul, Paul so, let me, uh, you know, let me ask you if, so when you are looking for maybe, you know, your strong, your strong uh, opinions on do you have a number in mind? Uh, or do you just, I mean, it, it varies from week to week. Uh, I mean, do you have an anticipated number that, you know, you know what you're going to settle on? Is it, is it, you know, eight to ten games a week in college basketball? Is it more? Is it less? Or what, what, uh, talk about a number because I think a lot of our listeners kind of have the amount of games they want to bet, you know, any night or any, uh, any week. Yeah, I mean, the way it works out for me, and it just naturally does, I try not to force anything. I don't okay. need the action necessarily. So on Monday, a smaller slate of games, I usually have zero or one plays. On Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, I might go to, to three or four, anywhere from two to four, say. Thursday, I might have up to five on Thursday. I bet a lot of Western Athletic Conference games, okay. and they play on Thursday. Friday, I'll either have zero or one. Uh, and then Saturday, typically going to be anywhere from about six to eight. And then Sunday, you know, maybe, maybe two to four again. So it kind of, uh, based on the number of games and kind of the leagues that I concentrate on, it kind of naturally uh, works out that way. Yeah, on my radio show, I release I release picks uh, every day. And the, the, the leagues that I follow the most, Mondays are really tough. I mean, you have, you know, maybe one to three uh, of the games that fall into the Power Six plus a couple of local ones like the Southland. 
uh, around here in Mountain West. Uh, that that I review, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays are I got a I got a pre- I mean I might give out as many as six, you know I might give out as as few as two or three. So I was just curious about if there was a number, but it's just down. So you when you were in school, Paul, you had that term paper. Your, your professor said it could be twenty words or twenty pages, Paul. <laughs> I mean, it's just you. But that's the thing, and that's what we that's and that's the beauty of the podcast too. You're not restricted. Like radio, I mean, it is a hard clock. You got your, you know, your ten, your eight to ten minute segment. You got to get out, and run some commercials. Same thing with television. So you've highlighted three games uh, for this weekend that you've that kind of uh, have stood out to you in your process. Let's first start in the Big Twelve, where boy, that West Virginia team down twenty five in a Little Apple, huh? In Manhattan, stormed all the way back to get Kansas State. They. Well, you can't beat uh, Tang and, and K-State in overtime. 7-0 last year. I mean, this year, it's 5-0 last year. But now Texas Tech, and Paul, that was – I got to tell you, you highlighted Texas in the past. There ain't many that could go into that building with that venom and that electricity and just walk out of there with a rout. That was impressive. Texas Tech getting off the mat a little bit, going against West Virginia, who – Appears they're going to have an opening for a job, but uh, you're projecting a line to be Texas Tech four and a half on the road here. Yeah, you know, first of all, West Virginia, they've lost six of their last seven games, but the Mountaineers, clearly a different team in Morgantown. They're four and three at home during Big 12 play, already have defeated both Texas and Kansas on their home floor. Uh, you look at this Texas Tech team, and you're talking about that game this past Tuesday uh, at home in Lubbock against Texas, which was an 81-69 victory by the Longhorns. Texas Tech, they were without their seven-foot forward war in Washington, and they are not the same team without Washington. You know, clearly their lack of size uh, hurt them significantly against Texas. The Longhorns out-rebounded them 44-30. Washington is iffy to play this Saturday in Morgantown. And if he's not able to go, West Virginia's best player is their big man, Jesse Edwards, 14 points a game, eight rebounds. I think Edwards could have a big game, especially if Washington is absent. But in any case, I like West Virginia uh, plus the points. Again, I project the line to be four and a half. Uh, I'd take West Virginia up to about three and a half plus okay. over Texas Tech. And, and and you like it regardless whether or not the Texas Tech man, a big man is playing, but that certainly affects Correct. your your you know how just how much you like it. All right, let's go to Correct. the uh, Big Ten. Number one cover team in all of college basketball. 362 of them, man. You're number one out of 362. You're doing something. They finally did lose and lose badly uh, to the number on uh, in Lincoln against Nebraska. Nebraska undefeated straight up and against a spread at home in conference play this year. But the Minnesota Golden Golfers, they backdoored the game against Illinois on uh, on uh, Wednesday night. And now they host Penn State. Uh, Minnesota 7 over Penn State against the number one ATS team in the country. Minnesota is 24-4 against the spread. Yeah, you refer- referenced the losses, uh, the back-to-back road losses by Minnesota at Nebraska and Illinois. So they come into this game on a two-game losing streak, they desperately need a victory, does Minnesota, if they're going to maintain any hopes uh, of an at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. And they're kind of on that, certainly on the outside looking in now, but they do at least have a pathway. But they need to beat this Penn State team uh, on Saturday, uh, this Saturday the 2nd. You mentioned uh, the fact that the Gophers have been a cash cow this season, 24-4 and against the spread. And I still don't think the line maker has really caught up uh, to what this uh, Minnesota team's power rating should be. 
You look at this Penn State team, their head coach, uh, Mike Rhodes, uh, he revealed early last week that their top scorer, guard Kanye Clary, uh, he's no longer with the team. Uh, he said that the coach said he made a decision to move on. So Clary averaged almost 17 points a game. Um, you know, a lot of scoring there. So it's certainly, even though some have kind of said it's addition by subtraction, uh, you have to miss that type of scoring. So I think Minnesota, uh, a team, again, that has outperformed expectations all year, I think they're going to win this one by double digits over Penn State on Saturday. And, you know, there used to be the RPI. Now it's the uh, NET. And I know Brad Brownell of uh, Clemson had some critical words about the NET. But it is the one metric that the selection committee uses in Minnesota at a 75 right now is not that's that, that's not at large uh, ter- territory. So you want to get yeah, it's a must win uh, for them in this spot. So a little motivation uh, in a favor troll there. Let's go to the ACC. And you're talking about home and away. Well, here's a couple of teams here. We mentioned Wake Forest, the court storm, and they get beat uh, outright by six as a six and a half point favorite. A uh, Notre Dame, the improving a uh, Notre Dame team with Shrewsbury. Now they go to Blacksburg here in Virginia Tech. Uh, boy, home and away. Virginia Tech is 12-2 at home away from Winston-Salem. The Demon Deacons are just 2-8. and eight. You still think you might be able to get a couple of points in this game? Yeah, I think I'm going to get at least one. I think Wake's going to be a, a road favorite here. I'm going to say uh, minus two, Wake. You look at this Virginia Tech team, they don't exactly uh, enter the game with a full head of steam. Uh, lost their last two games, both on the road, both by double digits. Uh, but again, uh, I like the Hokies to rebound here. You mentioned it, uh, this Wake team, not the same team on the uh, the road. They've lost seven of their eight uh, conference games away from Winston-Salem. Last Saturday, this past Saturday, uh, February 24th, they beat Duke uh, at home, eighth-ranked Duke, Duke uh, the court storming game, as we mentioned. Then, as you also uh, alluded to, they then go to Notre Dame uh, this Tuesday, February 26th lose there in South Bend off that Duke victory. Uh, I just think the Hokies here, I think they're going to get a victory. Uh, They're better at home. Wake, not that good on the road. Pretty simple approach, but I like Virginia Tech. Hopefully getting small points. I would probably take Virginia Tech uh, pick or better on Saturday over Wake Forest. I like that one a lot as well. And back to your process Stronger, you're giving us three home teams. Stronger consideration for home teams this year. It does seem like they are they are covering more than usual. It's uh, we we both agree is no bigger advantage home court or field advantage in the major sports than college basketball. And do you you know looking for stronger consideration when you go through your process, Paul? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, I primarily play underdogs, and especially early in the conference schedule and early in the the college basketball season period, played a lot of home underdogs. What happened, though, and we talked about it on one of the earlier podcasts, the home underdogs in some of these conferences, the first several weeks of the season, they were just printing money. Uh, And the line maker's not just going to sit back and let that happen. So if you just use pure power ratings, you would see a team plus six, and then the line would open, and it would only be plus three. So yep. they were skewing their numbers uh, and making you pay a, a tariff to take those home teams. But, yeah, underdogs, certainly my process is more uh, heavily uh, slanted towards the underdog, and even more specifically, I like to take home underdogs So when, when the price is right. has to be this year. I mean, because it's it's the, the most uh, top ten teams that have lost to unranked teams, 95% of them are on the road. It's been the most the worst record overall for ranked teams 
uh, in uh, in college basketball. So no doubt about that. Uh, you got to get it's uh, and I've noticed that as well. Wait a minute. I should be getting more here in this spot traditionally. And they're still they're still cashing in on a lot of those each and every week we do it next week. You know, we'll be getting into the final weekend of regular season play for the power conferences. We'll talk about those bubble teams, huh? You know, uh, got to win doesn't mean got to bet, I guess. So anyway, for Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Yacht each and every week on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.